Hello, this is another recording of Birthrights and Empires. This will actually be chapter one. So glad to be able to share what the Lord has put on my heart. Hopefully this is revelatory in nature for you. Blesses you wherever you're at in your journey and can help illuminate some of what's going on in our earth right now. The more increasing kingdom. Perhaps like me, you found yourself going from grace to grace or from season to season, looking back on the one before, wondering as to how you had missed such an important part of the plot. Or perhaps how did you get along with yourself or others, being as selfish, hard-hearted, oblivious to where you needed the Lord's touch to open you to more of what he has for you in the years to come. Sanctification and the transformation process are a beautiful part of the walk we undertake when we say, here I am, use me. That is precisely the reason I'm writing this book, to encourage you to accelerate your next level jump. As one friend said, it's the next door head as God wants you to move through these doors of maturation and preparation, He wants you to let go of the things that are not necessary for that next door or season. This is important because God wants you to be at your best potential. Your future family needs you to be at your best. And the world is groaning and crying out for people who carry the peace and authority that Jesus intended us to carry as a mantle. This is a short read. But it's imperative that I use the Bible as a backdrop to point out the way in which the Lord will mature his people for the next season and in the current season they're in so they can handle the weight of the blessing and also the weight of the mantle responsibility that will come with that blessing. I've also experienced this myself and in my own way I've undergone a revival in purpose, a renewal of strength and a new understanding of my potential and affirming with my foundation of the simplicity of being a child of God that wants to do his Father's will. Of course, the revival of my soul began with the understanding that I was in a valley, in a low place of needing his grace, and loved to bring me a higher place of understanding my heart posture and my attitudes that were not fit for the call he had in my life. It was by the grace of God that I was discontent with performing rituals to become like others who seemed like they had it all. I'd get a little closer to understanding that even those who seemed to have it all didn't have the very thing we all truly wanted. It was what Jesus had promised the disciples in the first hearers of the parables. It was life and life abundantly. All that life had to offer was being offered to the full. That would all beg the question, what is the full life? And where would this full life eventually lead us? Through every season, we're not in pursuit of perfection. We're not in pursuit of a life that amounts to my cause and passions being fulfilled simply for the feelings of satisfaction. We are also not existing towards an end goal of my feeling good and secure and me being satisfied with what I built. We all love to do a good job, and in fact, I'm hoping to describe clearly what I believe a good number can benefit from. It is not my end all, and I'd be well pleased with my work, 
if an audience of one were blessed with what I worked to co-create. It's 12.05 a.m. on a Friday, and I could be watching Hoarders or a free Prime movie on Amazon, but this is a part of what he's calling me to. Am I at my best when I'm in the center of his will? I experience the life to the full when I'm obedient to his call and purpose, which is indeed for the total purpose of his kingdom. Matthew 6, 31-34 reads this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we are seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first, and secondarily the things he knows we need, then how does this play out for our plan and trajectory for our life? Are the decisions we make as believers taking into account the kingdom-appointed mission of our life first and foremost? What does kingdom life look like for the believer that isn't called to the pastorate? I alluded to it earlier, but we must dive deep at some point in this exercise to see that like the Israelites, like the people in the Genesis account, we have a choice to either work in conjunction with God's plan and mandate, or to take the lesser road, which is the shadow of his kingdom operation, an earthly kingdom for the purpose of building earth structures and systems. The lesser doesn't have to be some far-reaching devious plan, but instead can be small leaps, small decisions that amount to a heart and mind that wants only a little of what God wants for your life. Small choices and overall heart postures will allow us to go only but so deep as long as we don't lose sight of the safety nets and constructions of a life that keep us in line with the assured worldly successes and comforts. Imagine for a second if every choice we made was first made with the consultation of our self-dream handbook, and then secondly, the Holy Spirit. Then afterwards, we'd make a choice based on the lesser of two evils, or the better of what gets us to our happy, comfortable medium. I'll go to the school, get this job, and serve this much in my local church because I need to make sure I have enough time and energy to live out my youth while I still have it. So essentially, Jesus, you can have 35% of my life. Again, it's not a pursuit of perfection, but a devotion and a hunger to be near to him and the specific mandate for your season. Perhaps the example's too simplistic and it doesn't take into account the majority of the people I know who are doing their best to raise good kids and maintain good marital relationships that leave a good legacy for the next in life. That life situation is graced with the Lord's mercy, and I believe that in that most common situation, the Lord is providing a new blueprint out of the flow of the normal, everyday way of going about things. The conundrum the world is facing, and the same problem the people of God are facing now, is a problem that deals with the vision and expectation. Our vision and expectations have not been set by the barometer of the kingdom. Perhaps we had the understanding that they were, but based on what we are dealing with in the body and in the world, I'm also sensing that even when we set our sights on the kingdom, there are skewed understandings we're dealing with, and thus we still have an understanding of God's mission that falls short of the actual purposes of calling a special 
peculiar people out of a wilderness in the first place. So what's the point of seeking first his kingdom if it inevitably gets us to the same endpoints? I cannot make a case and statement for all people and would be silly to try to have the majority plays a lead in our day and age. The majority of us are falling short of the intended glories the Lord has called us to. Because what we've been aiming for, a little part of the whole story, a little part of what the kingdom intended for its ambassadors and heirs. Shadows, like images, mean they are a picture of or representation of the greater thing or construct. The whole of creation was meant to be enjoyed by creation, but also operate by way of his kingdom order. Genesis tells us in 1.27, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God and created him. Male and female, he created them. Just because our earthly existence is a shadow, it doesn't mean that we should expect less of this life or less of what we are called to. With some finesse and concentration, my hope is to help you see what I've been shown. To not only help you take a leap in your walk, but also to help your community take a leap into deeper waters of revelation. The world we operate in is a precursor of what is to come. And we as his people need to break free in every possible emotional, physical, and spiritual way so we can become the people in space that can help the rest of the world heal. We're being called to do a great task, a great new task, based on new pandemics, new viruses that have adapted to the light we've produced thus far, new evils that have found a way to evade or tolerate what the gospel presents as the cure to what ails the societies we live in. I'll be clear in a simple assessment that the gospel is timeless and will always be the way that the Lord wants to bring a new hope to any people in any time and space. What changes is the way in which we understand the world we live in, the tactics of the enemy, and the types of confrontations we must undertake to contend for families and loved ones. My greatest vision is a mountain. A mountain of God, I'll say, that all of his people are moving towards and upwards to be closer to him and closer to his presence. On this mountain are people who have experienced hope in the midst of their darkest hour, a people that have found joy in the morning, and a people that can testify surely that their God is good, created everything to be good, and has a good and perfect plan for all of his creation. The Lord has always been calling us to this mountain, or promised land, or promised time and place. Just like the Israelites, like David and all the others I'll mention later on, there was a different rhythm they moved to, a different way the Lord wanted to move towards them. And all in all, the end game was always the same, to be brought near so we could walk with God. To be near to anything and anyone, we need to relate to it, to know it, to want to have community and commonality or likeness. These are the images I spoke of earlier. The images dictate what the original prototypes are to look like and function as. Our image bearer is, of course, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our ability to walk into pastures, mountains, or whatever imagery of peace and prosperity you like are contingent on our relationship to the one who owns the mountain and the territory it's situated on. The relationship was what mattered to some, and to most, it would always be what can be gained from the relationship. 
It's a small difference, but it means peoples and persons will misunderstand why we build altars, temples, and kingdoms, as opposed to earthly empires that fill our needs first. The issue was weighty for me because I began to notice that in my own life I was building towards my own empire. I wasn't building for my wife or my children, for my business or for my community. This problem had been a problem forever it seems like and it perpetuates itself. Because we are, we are born to worship, that means we can be deceived into worshiping the wrong things. If we think we are Christ followers, then at least our enemies of our soul want us to think wrongly about what it means to follow Christ. And we can instead worry more about doctrines, worship styles and preferences, differences of opinion and personality, and whether or not people should be wearing tennis shoes and jeans at church. It also means that the wrong things have become important to the church and its smaller counterparts. The health of the church has lost importance. The trajectory of the church has taken a back seat and the mission of salt and light, a city on the hill, has taken a back seat to becoming a priesthood of believing satiated saints who mean well, but are well in the way to Laodicea and lukewarm life. In the South, them is fighting words but I mean it in the most loving way because I was lukewarm in my lowest seasons of walking with the Lord and in my best seasons of walking with the Lord, I was still ineffective in leading a life that was building the Lord's kingdom in a tangible way. In those periods, most would count it all as good and honorable, but it still fell short of the most important goal of being a visibly transformed person in the spheres I influenced. After a short period of being on fire for the Lord and getting people saved in our little college apartment, we progressed year to year, wanted to look like and build like other families were encountering in our fellowship circles. We wanted to raise good kids, so we figured eventually we would homeschool. I wanted to keep myself off of drugs, so I killed every relationship attached to my old life. I stopped indulging in porn so that I could be a righteous man of God. And essentially, I created a lifestyle that kept me out of trouble and on the good and narrow path. My vision had no room for increasing the kingdom of God. That's a mouthful of Christianese, but purposely, I also make the point that only Christians are allowed into certain clubs. And so we as new converts created, along with the previous sojourners of yesteryear, the idea that we must do the actions of church, the functions of church. And because they help us achieve the empires we're mistaken as the milk and honey in our land of opportunity, it's easy to fall into. Because for the most part, we see apparent fruit. We hear testimonies of those people who gave their life over and had a revelation of God's goodness. We see God goodly, obedient kids that don't talk back, people devoted to doing good for others. We wanted all of that. They're good things, and we will settle for that because we were unaware of anything else. I repeat this again. I've been a part of the problem and the solution. We all are. And I think we are, as a people, breaking the cycle that has plagued many a generation. What's happened is the culmination of fits and starts, good times and bad stayings that the Lord expected and has graceful. Now was the time when we put it all together. 
It's an accelerated period of time where we shed the fat and bloat and begin maturing at a rapid rate. The blinders have been lifted and more and more of the people of God are waking up just like I did no more than a year or so ago to find that we've been chasing counterfeit images and shadows of an empire that looked like our home in final place. I write all this to say the Lord is on the move and we're a people that are ready to move with him to start building his new heaven and new earth to do what it takes for a paradigm shift and a willingness to make him the head and not our doctrines, life desires, or comfortabilities with how much we don't have to sacrifice. These new arcs take time. They require materials, tools, and people equipped for the task. They take wisdom and knowledge, understanding and vision that perseveres the plague of the time. New wineskins emerge because they are sensing their own need for new wine. And in the process, they begin understanding the wine they've been drinking was aged and was a sustenance, but it was vintage for another time. We want the one true king. We want his kingdom, and we want it not just for ourselves, but for the poor, the sick, the widows, and the needy. We want the king to shape us commission us and lead us into his crusade of love. We want all of that more than we want anything this world purports it can give us because the world, though beautiful, can't compare to the splendor of his kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is being built brick by brick. And I believe in this coming season we'll be shown how to rebuild walls, redig wells, and build pieces of the kingdom right here and right now. To build what the Lord wants us to create, we must first understand our identity, our call, and of course, the forces that wish to come against the building of this kingdom. So ask yourself this. What do human images look like? What do human images that are imaged in the Lord look like? Thank you for listening. That was chapter one of Birthrights and Empires. It's um, something that actually spoke to me while I wrote it because it put into words what the Lord had been doing in my heart um, for a couple years now. I've been a Christian for um, maybe 18, 19 years now. Um, I grew up a Christian but I didn't know who Christ was. And it's really only been the last two or three years that I've actually come into understanding my purpose uh, set apart from a cultural understanding of what Christianity was. So anyways, tune in next time. Uh, like, subscribe, share this podcast with whoever you think might like it. It's, it is a book, but um, it's something that might speak to you and, and help you see a different perspective of what's going on in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, I just thank you for whoever did listen, whoever gets a hold of it, Lord, I know that it's um, it's for them in the season that they're in, so I pray that uh, you'd have favor over their life, you'd have favor over the revelations they're coming into, that Lord, um, you bless their, their walk, uh, 
they'd have strength even though they might be alone or different, outcast in the wilderness. Um, if it's a time of victory, then um, amen, hallelujah. Allow them to be seeing what you're doing so they can use the victory uh, for your kingdom. If there are any of those who are hurting, they need a touch from the Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would send your angels and uh, in your divine love, meet them with the rap. In the name of Jesus, I pray.